Welcome back to the Black Belter Podcast. You're listening to episode 64. And today's episode is sponsored by TKD Wear. And TKD Wear are a Taekwondo apparel brand. They do t-shirts, polo shirts for men. For women, they do t-shirts, crop tops and leggings. And they also do other useful accessories like gear bags, neck scarves and shakers. So check them out at tkdwear.com. And you can use the promo code BLACKBELTER for 10% off. The details will be in the description. This week's guest is Master Willie Van der Mortel. Willie has over 40 years experience in Taekwondo. He was a 16 times Dutch national champion, but most famously is known for being the coach of Thomas Parada as well as Julia Cross, two of the most successful fighters in ITF Taekwondo. Willie has also coached and been a national team coach for a number of countries like the Netherlands, Slovenia, New Zealand and currently Norway. Today I chat to Willie about where his journey began, his experiences coaching Thomas Parada and Julia Cross, the Opa Dutch, which is the tournament he organises, and more. So, as always, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, as that all helps the show grow. And hope you enjoy. Master, we'll leave on the mortal. How are you? Thanks, million, for coming on. Uh, I'm fine. Uh, when you look to the the, the what happens all in the world and uh, okay still healthy so that, that's the most important thing that you realize now in this in these days health yeah. is so important yeah okay, we have to deal with the situation at the moment how is uh how are things at the moment in in, um, in holland in terms of restrictions and that now we we uh, till now we were all uh to have to train uh, online, but we got last uh, last week we got a message that we can uh, from the third of March we can go again with our kids from uh, till twenty seven years old we can train outside in a in a group without contact of uh, with no restrictions and distance. So I think that's a big step. Yeah. So I'm happy and for sure a lot of students are also happy that we can see each other. Uh, again, and that way, yeah, it's still different as online. Online is nice, but it's it gives not the same feeling as when you train. Yeah, normally. yeah, we've been the same. Like we we got the news that it's going to be at least into into April before we get to see maybe back in person, and it was before Christmas. Like we haven't seen our members since um yeah before since before in December, like into the start of December, I think um. So it's uh it's been a long it's been a long time, and uh, like the first time we did went on to Zoom because at the very start we'll say back in March last year we didn't really go into the online kind of Zoom classes way, we kind of just stopped training and then we came back in person. But then when we we closed down again for about six weeks, so then we went to Zoom, and that was fine. Six weeks was okay, but now it's been way longer this time, and it's uh, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, no, that, that's the same. I can tell you also from here, and I hear it's also on my students, and you see it. The members also in the in the Zoom sessions they go slowly down. Now, for example, today it's it's nice weather also in the last week. So then, and you see already, yeah, people want to do more and want to go outside and uh, yeah, have other activities. So it's not easy, but. As you, uh, we in the Netherlands, we start right away uh, when there was all. Uh, we start right away with online classes first on on uh, through Facebook, but later on uh, with the Zoom. But yeah, I, I, 
for me personally, I'm getting a little bit fed up with it. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody's the same because uh, yeah. at the start it seems like it was only going to be a few weeks, and now here we are, nearly a year later, I guess, and it's still you're you're still on Zoom. Every time you think uh, one or two months more, one month more, one month more, but then when it ends. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I suppose to take it back, I kind of tend to start where where everybody is is um, how did you start Taekwondo? Where did where did the journey begin for you? Yeah, I started in ninety seventy six together with a friend of mine. And uh, another friend of mine, he started already with Taekwondo. I asked my parents, well, can I join? My parents said, no. They were afraid that I was only uh, more fighting. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to, to, to ask for one year, then on my birthday uh, in September. Then they asked me, well, what kind of present do you want? I said, I, I, I want only one present. I want to train Taekwondo. And finally, finally they said, okay. Go. <laughs> uh, so that's the way uh, how I started and uh, never stopped. <laughs> yeah. That's funny because his grandmaster boss was on there a few weeks ago and he said his parents didn't want you to start either. Is that a thing in Holland? Parents don't like to, don't want you to, to go fighting. <laughs> yeah, you, you must you must see. I think maybe also the parents. In, in these days, at the moment now, it will be totally different. Uh, I think a lot of parents look now different to martial arts. But at that time, I, I know Taekwondo was nearly never. There was some karate and judo. And uh, yeah, I think when you start at that time to do martial arts, then they were thinking that you're going to fight, or we want to fight, or even fight more, and this kind of things. In yeah. fact, since I do Taekwondo, I think I, I, I have less fights than, than before. Yeah, but I think that's a big thing, isn't it? Like, um people involved in martial arts but like never really get in fights outside of like training you know what i mean like like just uh, the, the training and outside it's quite peaceful now i was uh, honestly to say i was when i was starting i was thinking oh yeah when i learn some skills then i can use that but i think one after one week of training i realized that you have to train quite long <laughs> before you get <laughs> yeah. actually uh, do something. So before you get to do the hitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then also the mindset, everything changed. So yeah. Did you do any other sports when you were a kid? As a kid, I started like I think near like everybody starts with football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But for football, the thing what I uh, was not for me was the the team. Uh, actually, in Taekwondo, in, in Taekwondo, I like team sparring, for example. But in, in the in the football, I uh, I was quite a lot of times angry when my my mates was not running or they were not going for one hundred percent for the ball and this kind of thing. So yeah, it was difficult. So I think that was the one of the reason why I also quit with uh, Taekwondo, with uh, football, soccer. Yeah. That is one thing, yeah. Like a lot of individual sports, I think is uh, is a reason people like that. It means more to some people than it does, like in a team sport. It means more to some people than it does to others, and uh, and it's yeah. like and the people sometimes can't put up with the people who do. It doesn't mean anything to us, so they want to go and I'll do an individual sport, and then it's just all on me. So I did also swimming, for example. I did also in competition, also for more than ten years, and you see also there it's individual yeah. i have to drive on my bicycle in the morning to the swimming pool very early before school train come back 
and, and this discipline that's what i yeah what i like yeah. um, but i have also in taekwondo so did you find that discipline kind of blended well with taekwondo the discipline of like you said having to get up cycle to the pool put the hours in in the pool did you think that that this kind of discipline blended well with taekwondo i think so i think so uh, it helps me, but maybe it's personal. I, I know uh, at the time, for example, when I was a, a little bit older, when I want to go really for a competition, my, I have a, a small uh, dojang at home. And, uh, okay, I, uh, every morning I, 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 I train there. But sometimes you have some days like, oh, today, not. And then my dad, he was sitting there in, in, the, in the kitchen. He was reading the newspaper. Then he looked to his watch. He said, today not training? <laughs> I said, yes, uh, I got to train. And I, and I go. <laughs> so he pushed me also a little bit at the times when I, because everybody, eh, you have some ups and downs and some, some days it's difficult to motivate yourself. So, but then uh, he was always there to say, I'm not training today. And then, okay, I push myself and I go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dads are like that, aren't they? Just a little, they, 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 keep, they keep the pressure on you, like the subtle pressure on you. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, ah, I try I try to do the same with my kids, for example. If they don't, if they one day or two days, if they don't train, then I ask them, why you don't train today? Or, okay, sometimes they have a good excuse, like school or this kind of things. But I think they know when they don't come to the training, and when I ask them, then I for sure they also feel a little bit the pressure. Yeah. <laughs> like okay, and it helps them. Of course, if they don't want to go, they don't go. It's for me the same. Yeah, well, I suppose. I, that... I remember also sometimes you go to training, even to teach. Maybe you're not for one hundred percent motivated, but when I come in the hall and when I see the people and when I start, and I mostly I got these days the best trainings. Yeah. You never regret doing the training there. Like in the in the end, yeah. like you said, you don't well, maybe want to do it, but when you get it done, yeah. you're happy you yeah. got it done. You know, you never finish yeah. training going, oh, I wish I didn't do that. You know, <laughs> it doesn't happen. Yeah. That's true. That's true. yeah. Uh, I suppose like you mentioned, even with your, like with, with your kids, it's hard for them to say they don't want to go training when like they have to actually go and train with you. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Uh, Is that more pressure? Uh, yeah, okay. Sorry, go on. No, but I said. My kids, I never push them to start with taekwondo. For example, they start by the by their own. They, maybe because they did also before other sports. But when they start, okay, after a while, they, they get more motivated. First, they did two or three sports together. Then later on, they they focus more on the, on the taekwondo. So that's it. Yeah. And for you, then, did you get were you competitive straight away? Did you straight away jump into competition or was there maybe a period of time where you were just training before you started to compete? Uh, in the time when I started Taekwondo, I started in a very small gym in a, uh, in a little small village. And uh, this was an older person. He was uh, totally not interesting in uh, competition. At these days, the competition was already totally different because there was no equipment. It was with... Uh, like that, <laughs> yeah. You was going to the to competition, then the ambulance was going <laughs> up and down. <laughs> so it's totally different. But as I said, the first part in the gym where I was training, they were not competition minded. So I uh, took my black belt. I did uh, maybe one 
maybe won two tournaments till black belt. And at the moment when I became black belt, uh, after five years, then I, uh, uh, I was searching for something. And then, uh, yeah, want to go a level higher. And then, yeah. So you can imagine if you are a black belt now, for example, if you don't have um, competition uh, experience, then it's quite hard to come back. If you see now kids for, for 10 years, they have already so much experience. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think you could do it now. I, I actually, I don't think you could just take a black belt first competition as a black belt and uh, and jump in and try yeah. and be competitive because, like I said, there's just so many opportunities for people. As soon as the people start, like as soon as they're maybe at yellow belt, they're yeah. even you might yeah. even have white belts. You might even have club comp like in yeah. in club competitions at white belt. And so trying yeah. to come in as a as a black a teenager and a black belt, yeah. so hard. Yeah. No, also I found out that it was uh, quite difficult. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the uh, I, I got some hard uh, <laughs> uh, lessons <laughs> before I realized, okay, it's not that easy. Yeah, would you have ever been more? Were you ever? Would you? Were you more aspiring over patterns, or were you kind of fairly? Did you enjoy them both uh, the same? I, I was always because I started uh, like more technical thing, technical person than uh, the competition. But for me, I think that the the technical part. Even now, as as an instructor, uh, I think it helps you as a competitor, because you see a lot of people in the in the sparring scene, for example. If you never did uh, taekwondo in technical tanks, uh, when you stop your career as a, as a competitor, then it's difficult to fall back in uh, in the part of technical tanks. So I think the the pattern part gave me a good, uh, stable foundation that I where I can build uh, also my club on. So when I promote also, uh, when I also in my club, I never tell them what class we have. So some of them I know they, they only want to come for the sparring, but mm -hmm. they never know. Maybe they come and they think, ah, today we're gonna it's a sparring class, and maybe it's not a sparring class. Yeah. So I uh, I like for me taekwondo is not only sparring. Yeah. So they have to also the other items. I like uh, to see a person who's uh, complete, and then I mean, okay, of course you have your preferences and you may be better in uh, patterns and better in sparring, but I mean, try everything. Yeah, yeah, we'd be kind of the same in in our club. Like it'd be. Uh, it will, but you know, one of the days out of the your two days, like because we have a, a sparring specific day, but then we kind of have the other days where it's like, well, one of those days in the week will be sparring. We're not telling you which one, so don't think yeah. that it's going to be all oh, Wednesdays with the day we spare. It's like yeah. we might spare two Wednesdays in a row, but maybe the one week it's going to be a Monday. You know, so you just have to be there every day to find out. And uh, yeah, but I think that well, that's also about me. They know more mostly on the Thursday it's always sparring because then I have a couple of. Uh, uh, experienced people who come to the class. They don't compete anymore, but they, they were European champions before, so they come to the class. And then always there's a good atmosphere and uh, a good level to learn from each other. But sometimes, even when everybody thinks, okay, it's Thursday, then once I switch and we start, okay, I'm good too. And then you see the faces like. <laughs> Uh, yeah. and maybe a very small part is a little bit sparring so uh, that they can still go home with a good feeling yeah uh, keep them on their toes yeah 
Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's, I think it's, I'd agree with what you said, even though like it's good to have people well-rounded with patterns. Like I think sometimes, um, like I suppose when you're younger, especially you kind of get caught up with, oh, well, if I'm winning at sparring in the competition, then I'm a sparer. I'm only good at sparring. And then some, it can go the way with patterns. Like, I, like even, like I know myself, like when I was younger, I was always a better, I was always better at patterns. But now I'm yeah. more so sparring and probably, and at, the, at the last, like the last year competing, I didn't even do patterns. So like, you know, it, it can flip around. I think like if you're just well-rounded and you keep kind of, you keep training everything and trying to compete and improve at everything, that like you never know where it'll end up for you, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, and of course, I, I understand also, I see also my own kids. It's, it's, it's also very difficult to be good in everyone, in everything. Yeah, really hard. So at, at the moment, the level is so high that it is very difficult to be a, a champion in pattern and a champion in sparring. Yeah, there, there's, not a lot of, there's not a lot of people doing it at the moment, you know, that there, there are winning yeah. patterns and winning sparring. That's, that's not happening a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's... Okay, that's what it is. Yeah, well, I think that's because like like that the level is going up all the time in both of them. So it's like, you know, it's so hard to keep up. Yeah, if you see now, for example, uh, when I look, sometimes I go to tournaments and and uh, and only maybe without competitor, but only to look to the level, especially international. And when you see the the international level, for example, from the juniors. Yeah, there, there's so many juniors who can step right away in the, in, in the senior class. The level of them is, is pretty high. Yeah, yeah. Some level of juniors, yeah, has been has been pretty has been pretty savage the last the last number of years. Especially the people who've been winning at junior and then stepping in and like they've been yeah. winning at senior. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. So in terms of like when did you start competing? I suppose internationally, at a, at, a, at that kind of level. Oh, that's, oh, you must see that's the years. I don't know exactly, but as I said, the first year was only uh, uh, pattern stuff. Then I started a little bit of competition. And then once there was a, okay, I did a local tournament, for example, just over the border in Germany. And then there was, an, uh, at that time, an idea for still more together. There was an, uh, an open tournament in Germany. In, uh, and they... Uh, we were going with the Netherlands, we were going with the bus, with competitors there, and uh, it, was, it was a whole happening. And that was, uh, yeah, it was nice. And there I get the first time that I was thinking, okay, uh, maybe uh, there's some, something possible. I, uh, I have to, I was fighting 63, and then uh, I saw the draw, and also Grandmaster Boss was there, and uh, we look into the draw, and I said, oh, shit. I have to go uh, right away against the world champion, Joachim Weibhardt from Germany at that time. I was thinking, ah, oh, ah. And then he said to me, Gamas was said to me, ah, oh, him. Oh, that, that's exactly the right person for you. I looked at him like, oh, how do you mean? And he said, yes, uh, this guy, he do only with the front, uh, front leg. He play with his leg. And you're good with the front hand. So... It's not a problem. You take him easily. He said it, but I was not believing in it. He said, I will coach you. You have to do only one thing. You promise me, you listen. When I say yes, you go forward. That's the only thing what you have to do. So, okay. Competition starts. Bo starts. And he, and 
Ramas Bos was talking all the time. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming. Wait, 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 wait. Yes, yes. And, and once he said, no. And without thinking, I think why? I don't know because he was never a coach for me, Ramas Bos. But at that moment, I step in, make a jab, and get right away a point. And I was like, wow, I did it. And then the confidence start, and Grandmaster Boss, he, ah, move, 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 and that, yeah, again. So and I scored several points with the hand and with a, a Raptors kick. Simple, but it was working because he was coaching good. I was listening and against this competitor. And after that, I, uh, yeah, I get like the trust in him, but also the, the confidence, like if he can beat the world champion, doesn't mean that you do it every time, but I mean, yeah, maybe that's possible. And there, then you start also to get more motivated. And uh, yeah, I think there was for me the step that I said, okay, I want more. Yeah. Jeez, a, a big learning step there, like to step into world champion, first big tournament outside of maybe the Netherlands yeah. and to, to fight the world champion and to win. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty class. Yeah, that's, uh, and, and that's also why it came up now, because these are some moments I think in everybody's his career, you will never forget. Yeah. How many fights of what you did, but some fights still, yeah. For me, same. I have 165 trophies, but from every trophy, I know, okay, this trophy was ah, only two fights. But that trophy, I had seven fights. I know ah, that was something. Yeah, seven yeah. fights. It's a lot. Yeah. That's a good day. Yeah, that you know, was, that's a good day. Yeah, that was, that's an enjoyable was, day. Uh, in a Warco tournament here in the Netherlands. I have to do seven fights. That was, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, uh, sometimes also uh, every trophy. It also depends who you are fighting. I mean, some yeah. Yeah. The quality of the opponents gives also the feeling what you get afterwards from a, on a trophy. Yeah, like yeah, because there's definitely some. I suppose you're maybe even trying to build that with the with the open dutch where you know like. It, uh, yeah. it 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 might not be have the name of a world European Championships, but depending on the quality of competitors, it could still mean a lot. Yeah, no, that's also that's as you said with the Open Dutch for me when I started this tournament. The only thing was important for me uh, quality, not quality. I mean, for me, it's important. Uh, the, the idea was to get good fighters uh, to the Netherlands, and also in that way, also to give the the chance. For the people in the Netherlands to get international common uh, experience without uh, yeah traveling and of course also because i was coaching in several uh, several countries i have uh, quite a lot of friends in in, in in the taekwondo so i could i know that there was common people but yeah after 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 you see if the level is good that attract also other people from a good level yeah, yeah, and that is the thing. Like people will go if they know they're going to get the quality matches, then more yeah. quality people turn up. So it naturally grows that way. Like you said, yeah, I think start it. That's yeah. maybe a good place to start it when you're looking for something like that. Is is the quality, and then and then quantity comes. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I do. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think is gonna? What do you think the open Dutch will look like? Maybe post COVID. Do you think it's going to take a bit of a hit in terms of numbers and quality and quality potentially? Yeah, do you know it? Uh, it's we, we make the planning for 2022, but 
Yeah, it's still difficult to say because uh, if I look to the vaccinations here in the Netherlands, that will for sure take till after the summer. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, what that happens then, who knows? We, we, we will see. Uh, we'll see. I keep it still open. I uh, I block the hall, so I, I can go in the hall. I have uh, contacts with the hotels. Everything is arranged. So uh, I, I also last year I could change still uh, two weeks before I could uh, uh, say no to the hall and there's no expenses. So the, the local government here works really uh, with us. So happy with that. So, but I, I think personal, I think, because I yesterday evening we had a meeting also with Grandmaster Boss and also we were talking about World Cup and this kind of things. But the impact of this COVID, not only uh, physically on people, but also mental and uh, also uh, economical, so uh, how many people will be uh, after this, uh, this COVID still uh, have a job and have the money uh, to travel? So it's, it's something what is difficult to say now. And for sure, the Open Dutch also, and I think a lot of tournaments, people want to go to the tournament because they're hungry, they want. But I think we, uh, as an organizer, don't expect right away like this. Yeah. Personal, eh? yeah, that's I think, because yeah. I think the impact is much bigger as we expect now. Yeah, and like you, like you said, even like just to travel, like like there's restrictions on like what country, what where people yeah. can come from. Certain countries, like you know, some people from this country can't fly to that country, or they have to quarantine for the two weeks, or you know, you know, some countries are fine. So that's all going to impact things whether people can go or not. And like yeah. you said, and then just the financial stuff. What do you, what would you think it maybe might look like in terms of if it does go to if it manages to go ahead do you, what do you think it would look like in terms of i suppose temperature checks or people having to have a covid test what do you think that would maybe look like now do you know in like in italy grandma spas or so they for work or okay it's a smaller tournament but they do this kind of things and you see if you if you really look okay itf don't do that at the moment and maybe we are also not in a position to do that but when you look also, last week, the, Europe, the, the big tournaments in judo yeah, the, in, uh, in other countries. So people travel, and it is still possible. So it's not only judo, there are much more sports who are still, who are still competition. Yeah. Uh, only, I think, and maybe in ITF, we are still not that uh, professional that we, or, or we, we have in our minds, we wait till the COVID is over. And then start, but you must not underestimate that in the time when we have now already no competitions, what it, what it means for the for, for our competitors, for our juniors. They, we got after us. There will be a gap of maybe two years of, co- of co- competitors. I spoke also with the, the coaches of the national team of Norway. What we gonna do? How we gonna solve this? Because the young juniors will normally come to the team. Now they, they train all one and a half year. There's no training. So, what will happen for them? Yeah, my sister's so, my sister's and my sister was meant to be. She would have been junior last year, but she was 18 this year, so she would have been junior this year as well. So she would have had to. Those two years are going to be gone as a junior. So yeah. then it's kind of you're jumping from your last tournament in 2019 yeah. to now you're into now you're into senior. You know, yeah. and uh, like you said, I think 
that could impact a lot of a lot of juniors because like it yeah. can be it can be scary enough for juniors at the anyway yes. to step up to sit, to go into the senior division so now after not training for two years you know it can be yeah. some of them will just go no don't want to do it for 80 percent of the juniors it's always scary when they know we have to go to the seniors yeah and now even more as you said much more yeah, yeah. but do you think even like the way the big like you said like judo competitions are going on do you think yeah. the fact that they're I suppose Olympic recognized they're in the Olympics. I yeah, think that that yeah. can potentially be the challenge with ITF is that like a lot like Grandmaster Boss made this point that a lot of governments don't recognize ITF Taekwondo as as being that big, you know, or as been the main Taekwondo yeah, uh, yeah. federation association. So like when you are maybe looking for an elite sport exemption to go to this country to compete, they might kind of go, well, to us that's not elite because you know you know they yeah. might they just might recognize it like it is, you know, obviously. Clearly, you know, and the, the the way we train and all is elite, but it's just not recognized. So you don't get the exemptions allowed to train or allowed to go to these countries to compete. Yeah, I, I see, for example, like by, by in Slovenia, the, the competitors of Thomas, they have the elite status and they can, even when everything is, is closed, they can still train. But for example, by me in the Netherlands, we don't have that. Yeah, we don't either. I, I will never get that elite status with my competitors. It's not possible because uh, the ITF is in the Netherlands not recognized. So, yeah. Yeah. and uh, I think also Grandmaster Boss mentioned that from, I think when all ITF was together, then we have, that ITF was quite big. But yeah. we are so divided that it's also very difficult to make a fist to to the others. Yeah. Like you, yeah. Like you said, it's so hard to, like, cause I, I'm sure it's the same. Now, when you have a, when you've three, four, however many ITFs, all asking the same government of recognize yeah. us, it's like, well, which one of you is the one? And yeah. and it's, yeah. it's it, yeah, that's the challenge you're trying to make, you know. And like, like we do, like we do have government recognition in in Ireland, but it doesn't, um, yeah. like it doesn't really amount to much. Like we, there, there was some work on behind the scenes to try and could we define yeah. some of our athletes uh, as elite. But again, it's kind of like it's you're trying to make an argument. Well, look, we've won this. These people have won this. They're training these many times. There's these tournaments a year, and you know you're 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 struggling all the time. You're you're battling all the yeah. time to try and get that. Yeah, no, it's it's hard, and, and then we're also gonna lose people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all it amounts to. Yeah, it's less people involved yeah. in the sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, a a real sporter, he wanna yeah in that period when he when he really want. Then you want to go for one hundred percent for everything, yeah. And if you cannot give them that, then they it's difficult to keep them. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that's hard, but it's like and and, and, and for example, uh, yeah, it's easy to see to say from from here around to death. But I mean, I also don't know if the ITF now has. A, they do a lot. They organize seminars and the uh, courses and this all these kind of things online. But where the where they're thinking about competition? Yeah, I'm I'm afraid not. I, I'm afraid they this of, of course in the beginning we all was not thinking on competition. We were thinking, okay, uh, this will take only uh, three months and then everything is back to normal. But now when it takes so long. And I think also a world organization like the ITF must look to the to the competitors and uh, 
try to think or to invent something or to, to copy what other organizations do, why they compete. And if there is maybe a, a possibility, maybe on a, on a smaller base, but uh, for me, it's important that, that we, that they have to think about these things. Yeah. Even if it was maybe, I don't know, maybe it was only a senior tournament with one competitor from a country. I don't know. Again, that could yeah. it, it yeah. comes up with a, that's just something that came up off the top of my head. Yeah. I don't know if that's realistic to do or anything, but maybe something that way. I don't know. And I think as an organization, if you put that out, for, uh, for example, one competitor of, of a country, then you that's also assigned to the to all your members. Like, oh yes, they are still they're still busy. They're still working on it. They're thinking on us. Yeah. And I think this things that's yeah that's that's important. Yeah. Yeah, because I know they've maybe made an effort some of the online tournaments and that, but I don't like for me, I just wouldn't get a buzz off an online tournament. It's just not like it's uh, all the enjoyment I get out of competition. I just would not get from doing things online. Uh, <laughs> now we, uh, I, I did it the first uh, first online tournaments. I asked on my club, and there were a couple of kids. They want to do it, but on the second or the third one, even these kids already don't want it anymore. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for me it's also the competition takes so long, and nah, it's nah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the same. Yeah, so I suppose going back to yourself and that is, well, when did you start coaching? Then when did you move from competitor to being a coach and and and, and I suppose an international yeah. an international level coach? Yeah, I was uh, when I was competitor. I uh, on the end of my my career. <laughs> I was, uh, at that time, I fought uh, also against, uh, at that time, there were several uh, uh, country uh, tournaments, like uh, in Germany, there was four country tournaments. And, uh, uh, and we also, with the Netherlands, we are traveling to, to Italy and to Yugoslavia at that time. So, and then I, I was fighting, fighting uh, to Thomas Barada. So he was very young. And, uh, that was the first time that I met him and that we, we start after that fight, we came in contact and uh, yeah, that was for me at that time, I was, I was not a coach of him, but after that he came several times to the Netherlands and we start to, I go to Slovenia, he came to us, there start our friendship and trainings. Um, later on, um, maybe five years later on, I, I was going to Slovenia and I was a coach there. So, it, it starts, yeah, not, I was open a club here in the Netherlands with three, three other black belts. Uh, one was uh, a friend of mine. He started with me at the same time at Taekwondo. And the other person was also interesting, was uh, a master coach for the Heuvel. All right. So we, okay. Yes. So we, we, we live very close together. And he started, I think, one month earlier Taekwondo than I. So he was already there. And, uh, and later we, st we started together, one club together. Yeah, so, uh, so that was the, the first time that we were teaching and this type of thing. But coaching, coaching on, uh, on national level, yeah, I, I did uh, on a later. I was, as you said, I was, I was coaching the in Italy. First of all, maybe that's a good story to tell how I came to Italy. I was 
I was in uh, I, I was asked by uh, Master Juan uh, Ferrando from Spain. I was going at that time always to the holidays in Spain. So three times a year I was going there in Benino. And as I go to holidays, I always I, uh, I took my dog with me and okay, look for a gym there. At that time, when I uh, knock on the, on the door in Benino, because they had the ITF logo. So I was going inside, but they were not affiliated. They were all, they lost the contact with ITF already for several years. So I was there, we were training together. And uh, after that, we, I gave them the contact and this, uh, they affiliated again to the ITF. And years later, he asked me after holiday for, he said, uh, I'm in big trouble. Uh, we, I need an instructor here because my instructor is sick. And I was working that time in a, in a factory here in, in, in town. He said, here he is, your instructor. <laughs> he was smiling. I said, yeah, it's not joking. I'm serious. He said, yes. I said, yes. Okay. When you can come? Say next week. <laughs> so I was driving home with my car. I uh, go to my job. I say I quit. I took uh, my car, took my luggage with me, and drove to uh, to Benino. And next week I was teaching there. Gee, huh? So some yeah. change in a week from factory yes. in Holland to teaching taekwondo in the sun yeah. in Spain. Yeah. And there was uh, I was we had I learned a lot from there. We would not make the the right uh, agreements and this kind of things, but I never look uh, wrong back back to that because it's a good lesson. And experience in life you must get before. <laughs> so uh, I stayed there for half year, and then afterwards I uh, I was going back because we were not agree with with something and uh, go back. Then there was a World Cup in New Zealand. I was thinking, ah, I have family in New Zealand. Maybe that's something to 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 have a holiday. Training camp in Taekwondo all together to combine that and to see a beautiful country. So I booked my uh, my flight to uh, New Zealand. Was going there to uh, to see my family and uh, traveling uh, New Zealand. Stayed there for three and a half months and uh, and did also the camp. So and there starts the contact also with New Zealand. So later on, after many years, I came also coach of New Zealand. And when I come back from New Zealand, then Grandmaster Boss asked me, from, uh, uh, it's nothing for you to come to, uh, to Italy. I was thinking, yeah, but in Spain, I was, the experience was not so good. I said, yeah, but he said, Italy is different. He said, I'm already there and I can uh, guide you and help you and this kind of things. And uh, I said, yeah. And he said, if you come first for a couple of weeks, you look a little bit around and what we do here, and then maybe you decide what you do. So I was there and then uh, I joined him in the classes, uh, see his family and blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, yeah, after after two weeks, is it? Yes. So I was going back home, quit again. My jump on the head because I, I was going the same job that I quit before. I was starting again. Then I quit the job again. I said, now I go to Italy. <laughs> uh, a long old so, journey. Huh? Uh, yeah. Some journey. So, uh, I mean, uh, of course, uh, 
it was much easier. And grandma's boss said, okay, when you come to, to Italy, first what we do is you go to school. You have to learn Italian. And did you learn Italian? Oh do you know Italian now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, the grandmaster boss at that time, he was teaching always, uh, he, he used always the Korean terminology. And we in the Netherlands, we never did that. So I remember when I came there, I have to learn Italian. I have to learn the Korean terminology. So it was like... <laughs> uh. But it's, yeah, it was uh, really a, a great experience. I was staying a little bit more, three and a half years there. It was a great experience there. Yeah, and uh, after Italy, I, uh, okay, I was coached from the Netherlands and from New Zealand and, uh, and at the moment already five years in Norway, so. Yeah. That's the dream though, you know, traveling around and teaching, training. That's, you know, different countries, yeah. different cultures. That's a, it's yeah, a, a I, great experience. Yeah, I do, you know, I tell a lot of times when I give seminars, for example, I said, uh, what, what Taekwondo gives me, for sure, if I was not doing Taekwondo, I was never in so many countries. Uh, and it gives me more, it gives more. I, I mean, I had my ups, and Taekwondo helps me up, out of this, up, of this dance up. So I, I realized that Taekwondo gives me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So then, I meet like, a lot of people and I make a lot of friends and I still people. Uh, I mean, from Slovenia, from from New Zealand, from from Norway, from uh, from Italy, from Spain. Every time when we see each other again, it's yeah, it's nice. Yeah. So then, what was it? What, what was it like working with? with I suppose with with Thomas was was he uh, was he easy to coach? Uh, no, in the beginning, not. In the beginning, not. Because, uh, when, as I said, uh, I sparred with him. The first time the first time when we uh, competed each other, he won. Okay. The second time when we uh, met each other was in the Open Slovenian. Uh, I beat him. Huh? There you go. And, 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 until the, the day of now, I'm the only person <laughs> who beat him in, in Taekwondo in Slovenia. So, uh, yeah, in Slovenia as well. Yeah, Jesus. yes, yeah, big uh, achievement there. Yeah, yeah. but already that time, you, yeah, he was young and he was uh, talented and special with this. But he had a couple of techniques, what he always did. He was good in the Raptors kick, uh, reverse turning kick. Uh, the, and the uh, and the backing. This this three techniques he did a lot. So he was turning a lot. And uh, okay, when we start to uh, to work together, oh yeah, the, the third time that we meet each other was a draw. <laughs> and after that time, I was thinking it's good to stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it was still it wasn't balanced. And then we we start together. Okay, we met each other in training. And uh, okay, I think. When we started training, I, I I was focused more on uh, he was good in a lot of things, but some other things maybe where he had to improve was in the beginning his hands and uh, technical wise. So in the beginning uh, when we trained together, it was and if you if you speak him now for sure he will men mention you that. Let if I uh, if I coach him. 
that I'm uh, I never say that he's that he do it good. No. <laughs> Even when he won his matches, I I was not aware about it, but he told me several times. So. Even when I won, when he became world time champion, for example, then he said, yeah, but that moment in the fight, you still not did that. Or you have to do this. So he was like, oh, I'm champion. Why are you complaining? <laughs> but that's, yeah, when you're in the role of coach, uh, yeah, you don't, yeah, you want to see and you want to improve every every match, every training. And yeah. yeah, that's... But I would imagine that kept him motivated. Like, you know, kept him motivated. Yes. You know, he yeah. couldn't come off and go, oh, "I'm world champion," and then you, you, you kept him. But yeah, but you can be better. You can be better. You can, yeah. and, and then yeah. that ends up then. By the time he's finished, he's won so many tournaments. You know, it kind of keeps him motivated. Yeah. And no, and I think we, as I said, we, uh, I met him the first time. We, we get a friendship, and the friendship is from that time till now. Because now still, uh, nearly every week I have him on the phone. Yesterday I had him still on the phone. I mean, okay, we see each other not now, but we hear each other every time. And we yeah, we can tell each other everything in life. So that's, yeah, that's good to have a couple of, of these people around you. Yeah. Family more uh, so than family, you know, yeah. that's what you do. Uh, yeah. uh, but uh, as a coach, I, I think... As a coach, sometimes, not only in this sport, sometimes people say, oh, you're a good coach. Uh, I don't know if I'm a good coach, but I mean, as a coach, you must also be lucky that you have the right people to work with it. Yeah. And yeah. I think also uh, that I was quite lucky to have him and then I have the, the, the possibility to, to work with uh, Judah Cross, for example, and some other good people, especially in that time. And I, I can say it was with Julia and also with Thomas. There are two competitors who did and who do still at the moment everything for the March last for Taekwondo. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's something. That's also yeah. I was... like that person. But... Yeah, well, and was there many similarity? Like I said, there was obviously some similarities. Was there many differences between Julia and Thomas? What it was like to work with the with, with them? Yeah, I, I think with uh, uh, Julia was also I think she was a training animal. <laughs> I mean, uh, doesn't matter how uh, what how often you want to train, she, she said always yes. I never said no. I remember that she was once by uh, by me for a week for the train. And then uh, in in the in the morning session we train we were training three times a day, and then between two sessions, uh, uh, she said, "Oh, maybe we can do some in the gym, some weightlifting." I was not that, but I had one student, a younger one. He said he was also in the gym. I say, uh, and Julia was uh, doing this weightlifting, and then this boy said, uh, "Can I join?" And the boy was quite big. Ah, oh, Julia, said, yes. And then uh, she starts, uh, put some weights on, tak, tak, and the boy. Then see more weights. And then on a moment till the boy, <laughs> then, then she did it. And the boy said, and he could not do it anymore. <laughs> and then he was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah. But in, uh, also when Julia was, was training by me, I think, 
we were working a lot on, on, on sidekicks and these kind of things. Uh, we did it also with Thomas. And also with a lot of quite hard contact to the, to the body. And then uh, the first time when she came, then I, uh, after a couple of days, I was a little bit scared because she was everywhere blue. <laughs> so I was thinking, I said to her, if you go now back home, your parents will, will give me for sure a phone call. <laughs> but that means she was never complaining. And uh, this, this became better and better. I mean, she improved a lot. And uh, also Julia, I mean, she was, she, she's around. She was around already that time. And I think also she grew uh, special tactical wise, how to fight against several people and, and this kind of things. Uh, that's, that's nice. I think she, at the time when she was in, in uh, the world championships in Argentina, when she became world champion, then I think, yeah, she was with the Slovenians and with us. Then I think, yeah, that's, that was perfect. I mean, yes. Yeah. And uh, she's an example for somebody who's very good in patterns, very good in sparring. So, yeah. Yeah, like, like we mentioned already, not many people are uh, yeah. can yeah. do that. Um, uh, I know speaking to her because she's been on the been on the podcast recently enough, and and, I, yeah. and Hong as well. That the, the two of them, I've kind of made the point that um, working with you was uh, you managed to give them the belief that they could win. That that was not yeah. like maybe sometimes it wasn't even the physical stuff. It was some of the conversations yes. that you had with them and the things yeah. you said to them that may help them to push on and go to it the next level. Yeah, I think, and that's ah, it's nice to hear from them. Uh, I think personally, also that's one of my strongest things. Also, I use it now also with people in Norway. I know some people I can convince them and start to believe in themselves. And that's, uh, yeah. you know, as that's there it starts. If you have to step on the mat and you don't believe in yourself, it's quite difficult to, to win. Yeah. As you know, I suppose maybe Grandmaster Boss did the same for you to some degree, you know, when you were going yes. against that world champion. And, you know, so. I'm quite just... sure, quite sure it came from there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And what well, what do you make of I suppose, um, the 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 change in, in inspiring versus because obviously the styles and that would be different to when you were coaching Thomas to coaching Julia yeah. to coaching coaching for the, in Norway now. What 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 do you make of the change in the style? Do you like it? Do you do you prefer? Uh, I think when you, when you when you look to that time, fights were nearly going forward backward. If you see now the the how how good people move, and they kick and punch from every angle, and that okay, uh, I personally I like that because then it looks more natural and uh, surprising and all these kind of things, and uh, yeah, I li I like this this kind of of style of fighting at the moment now, especially with the moving moving uh, for me and of course all the things what we did what because the things what i trained with with thomas and with julia for example we train still in the gym only we come you have to combine it now with not only fighting in one line but also the, the movings but i mean the basic is the same with pattern i say sometimes to my uh, students when i started like model we had classes of one half hour and 45 minutes was up and down in the hall basic exercise if I teach that now in my gym, my gym is empty. Yeah. Because nobody wants to do that anymore. No, no. But still, it gives me 
and it gives a lot of people a good basic. Yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. And, and, and that's the same in, in, in sparring, I think. You can do long combinations, but if the single combination is not, if you don't technical-wise understand these things, it's very difficult to make a long combination. Yeah, the basics are the basics for a reason, I suppose, yeah. you know. Yes, yeah. yeah. And what do you make of what, what do you make of the maybe the change in even contact level across the, the change in the contact allowed? Do you, do you like it with now or before? Would you like to see it go back a little bit more the way it was before? Uh, personal, I like if there is quite a lot of contact. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody's the same, yeah. <laughs> even the competitors. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at the moment when we. Okay, if you do a point stop, then also there, you, you must see the, the really athletes. When I look to the top fighters of the Warco, I mean, they're extremely good, even the heavyweights, and they can kick and punch all. But I mean, and, and when we do continuous sparring, sometimes I hate it when an umpire break. Every time, some, some umpires, they, they stop too much. Yeah. And if you stop, you you take the chance from from one person to 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 maybe to come out of the clinch and to make a score. Yeah, hundred percent. Then you make a continuous sparring. You make a, a point sparring. Yeah. And I think that's yeah, that's something that's yeah, what is a pity. Yeah, yeah. I know, like it's it is frustrating, especially when they break it and they don't give a warning to anybody, and where they just wave off and go. Yeah. Well, well, why did you like why did you stop it then? If there was no reason, yeah. like you just that means there was nothing to do. So then, if there was nothing, yeah. you know what I mean? So why did you stop it? Just leave it go, yeah. leave it work itself out. So yeah, I don't like to, I like that. I don't like seeing the match stopped unless there's going to be a warning to somebody or a potential minus point or whatever. Yeah. But just stopping and waving off or nothing is it, it kind of it's frustrating. Yeah. Like it's. I prefer yeah, to see it. So, for example, when you see personal, okay, I know rules are rules, but some umpires they look if you are with one toe out of the the line. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember there was also a time that, for example, if you cross the line and you came in, then the umpires say nothing. Now they are so focused, and of course I, I understand out is out, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But yeah, I suppose especially yeah, kind of maybe edge of some cases there. Yeah. Yeah. And and obviously because like culture in so many in so many countries, did do you have a do you have a set system the way you like to to train and approach maybe an approach sparring the way you teach it like when you go to this country and start teaching here. Do you have a way maybe you start and the way you like to progress or like, do you have a, a system for how you would train sparring? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the system is here. <laughs> system is here is not really on the paper. So okay, uh, we did when I was in New Zealand. We make we make really a program, also to to build up from the juniors to the to the seniors. So uh, developing a program there, and, and that was working uh, pretty good there. But in fact, and uh, the way I teaching, I go always back to the basics, and from there on. Uh, step by step further on yes I, I i yeah for me as i said basics are very important yeah and uh, sometimes people I, I see that in every country they think yeah is that so important is that so important and to make them clear and show them um, 
by example, but also by videos, explain them why, why not, and why you do that, and why do you not this. Because a lot of people, if you tell them, they, they say yes, but they don't understand it. Yeah. So to make it visible, and, and, and I will always, if I ask somebody, I, I, I don't tell them what to do. I ask him and I ask him why. And if he cannot answer me why, then I have to tell once more. <laughs> because it's important that he know why he do things. I said, I said, I hate it, for example, uh, when an instructor say to me, you have to do this. But he said, not because why I have to do this. Yeah. If you only have to say you have to do this, it's yeah, I think it's not at this times. I think the competitor has to fight and he has to think. He, he, in fact, he decides uh, maybe 90% of everything. 95, 5% is maybe a coach. Yeah, like you said, it's I suppose it's the competitor who has to get in the rings, you know, and actually do the competing. So it's important that they tend to understand what you're asking them to do. Whatever technique, yeah. whatever in whatever situation, um, yeah. it, it it helps if they can understand. It's like like you said, if it's just I'll do this, and then they're kind of going, well, okay, I'll do it because he told me yeah. to do it. It can it does it, it that probably won't even come out then when it when it matters, you know. Yeah. And I remember when I uh, when I did my grading for I think six or seven degree, I, I was making pieces and I make pieces of online uh, of on the coaching on distance. There, for example, I could use also and see uh, what people who you are coaching on distance that they totally not understand what you was meaning. So yeah. that was also a good lesson and a wake up from sometimes you say things and you explain it, but still the message is not coming through. Yeah. I suppose that's where the video comes in and the video helps then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, even with videos, I did the same with uh, with Thomas, because okay, he was he, he was not the person who likes the point fighting. And then before we were going to um, to Argentina, before he came world champion, I said him the year before I said uh, this year uh, you're gonna do a minimum four tournaments of point fighting. He said no, no way, no way. So yes, you're gonna do because I said why. I said, you must imagine, you're in the final, it's a draw. Extra time, it's a draw. And now you have to do first point. You must be prepared. And then he said, oh yeah, 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 okay, maybe. And then we did a couple of uh, point fighting tournaments in Germany, and he was pretty good in it. So, uh, <laughs> not that it is favorite things, but even you could say with his basics, even in point finding, if you understand the, the game, uh, he, he did pretty good at it. And then it happens. We came in Argentina, World Championships. And he got, I think in the first or the second round, he got a fighter of uh, the USA. And the USA always bring fighters who you never saw before, uh, do really strange things, moving strings and all those kind of things. Okay, Thomas Stas in the first round, three head kicks to his face. Yeah. And he looked to me like, and then in the break, I said, okay. I said, uh, and, but he gave him already several warnings. I said, only what you do is pushing, pushing. Every time out of the square, you, you're gonna, you don't give him one second of air, you push him. 
And then, okay, he came back to a draw. Extra time, draw. And then he looked to me like, and he did like, okay. At that moment, he was understanding for what we did this four point fighting tournaments. And the fight started and he scored right away with sidekick. And later on, he became world champion. And then in that evening, I said to him, you see the difference in this kind of tournaments is one action. Now you are a world champion. If you lost that first fight against uh, New Zealand, if you was not making that sidekick, then you are number 46. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there to let them also understand from, but it was yeah nice to see that he was looking to me like, and he did like, okay, now I understand why we were training that. Yeah. And this kind of experience, these things and these things I tell quite often when I give seminars, because I think if you tell it in this way to other people, then they understand it, that even maybe they look up to Thomas, but they are also he was somewhere that he have to learn his lessons, as we all have to learn our things. Yeah. It wasn't as he turned up and was just the best. You know, like you said, there was having to, to progress yeah. and, and even put himself in situations maybe that he wasn't the most comfortable in. Um, like that going to the point the point fighting tournaments. Uh, yeah. Uh, what would what would you say is that what's when you're working with somebody like you like like working with Thomas and and Julia and maybe maybe you've mentioned already. What would you say is the most what's the most important trait for you that you'd like to see in a fighter when you're working with them? Uh, yeah, they never give up. Yeah. Is that I ask them if I ask them if they are tired. If they say yes, I'm not happy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, for me, you're, you're, the, the man, I think kicking and punching is for a lot of people possible. But I, I, for me, the mental part is much more important. A, a person who has, I train, I prefer to, to coach people who have less, uh, uh, I would say that, Physical skill, maybe. Yes, but who are uh, who have strong mental mental path, and who who want to go for it? That's for me the the people. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think they're the people who actually end up winning the most in the end. Is often like not. Well, I suppose it's if you can blend the two is is where you want to be. But yeah. often you see all the time the people who are the, I suppose you could say the most talented physically or whatever they don't. They don't. They don't always achieve because they don't have the mindset to, to push on and go to the top. Yeah. If I if I look in, in Norway, for example, we have this. Uh, uh, he became world champion last year, Magomed Nordinov, seventy one. For me, he is a he is a very talented person. But uh, mental, he was not that strong, so that's why he lost already. For example, in the Euros in Slovenia, he, he, in my opinion, he was the best one, but he lost on a stupid way uh, before because he could not control himself and his his mind, and he had to learn his lesson. So afterwards, I was telling also to him, it's your, yeah, I lost, it's your fault. I cannot help you. If you fight like this, I cannot help you as a coach. So you have to change. Yeah. Uh, so when he 
in training and when he became at that time when I coaching him in the, in the world championships and he was doing exactly what I was saying yeah that gives me a very good feeling then yeah, then I also have the idea as a coach you can give this five percent extra maybe what he needs yeah. okay as a coach I don't want to sit down and tell you only what is the time the time they can look on the on the screen. I want to give you where, if this necessary, I hope that I can help you a bit in the break or maybe between. But I mean, if, yeah, that's for me important. And this, the, the link between competitor and coach, that's, if the link is not there, then it's difficult. Yeah. A coachability, I suppose. Up, and to build that up, that you need in training, you, be, you need good moments, you need bad moments, hard times. There is growing something. Yeah, it could be hard, you know, when you're when you're when you're sitting on the chair and you can see what the person needs to do, and you're telling them what they need to do, but it just it just doesn't happen. Yeah, it's like it can yeah. be. It's frustrating, I suppose, you know, because yeah. you know, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I suppose just before we finish up, I kind of have um, two two questions to finish with. Look, maybe it's a very obvious answer to the, to this one, but uh, if you had to pick a favorite fighter to work with. Who would you pick? Like, if you had to pick, if you had to name a person that a fighter you've worked with, if you had to pick a favorite one, who would it be? Yeah, for me, I think Thomas because I, I maybe it was the first one, but also, yeah, with him I had a really a special relation, and I know by him, especially when you talk about uh, the mental part, uh, I know that I could with him I go could go very far. Once when he was uh, on the European Championships of, uh, of kickboxing, Marco, he, he broke in the in the half final. He broke his foot, and uh, he said, uh, "I stop." I said, "What? I stop?" I said, "No, you don't stop." Because one week later, I had a meeting with Peter Krukenhauser from Top Ten, and we were talking about the contract. I said, for this contract, we need a title. You don't need the second place or the third place. Say, so you're going to fight. And uh, he looked at me like, I said, yes. I gave him a hit. I said, step in, second round, that. I say, uh, you go for it. And then he beat that guy. And then he has to do the final against the German one. And he started, and in the beginning, good. And then uh, he make a high plantas kick to the to the face with his wrong leg. And right away, I saw he was okay. That round, he did nearly nothing anymore. He came on the chair. I said, "No, I stop. I stop." I said, "You don't stop." I said, "It's one round more. We go for that contract. You're gonna into the ring and you kick that guy." So he stepped in. He goes for two minutes behind this German. He kicked everywhere. So the German, after he came to uh, to me and he said, "What you said to him in the break?" <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, it's not. Of course, it's not correct. But at that time, okay, times were different, and yeah, there I could feel with him. I had yeah something special. Yeah. And so then if you had to just pick a favourite fighter to watch, I don't know, is it Thomas again? But if you had to pick a favourite fighter to watch, somebody that you like had to be at a tournament to maybe sit back and, and watch or to watch maybe on YouTube, if you had to pick a favourite fighter. 
Nah, the, 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 for me, uh, when I when I look, for example, in the style of fighting, I like, for example, the, the style of fighting of uh, of the Irish fighters. Yeah. Anyone in particular, uh, or, or just the overall style? Uh, not, not in general, but I mean, if I see how the how in Ireland how they step up in a very short term years, how they came. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's good. Also, Julio Carlos, for example, I follow him already as a, as a very young junior. Right away, when I saw him the first time, I had something like, "Oh, that's that's something special." And I saw him the first time, and afterwards, I I, I record his fights and I, I look to him, and yeah, that's even now in this COVID period. If you see what he always post and what he do, and I like these people. So, yeah, for me, it's also something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But also, like what I said, this the, the, in Norway, the guy, this uh, Magomed, also for me, he's, he's great. Yeah, yeah, for That's, sure. Like you said, world champion I mean, Germany. At the moment, you see different styles and you see the style of the Solovays. And, and, and I think we all took something from them. And That's, I think, also what, you, what I do. I, for example, I also follow the seminar of Oleg. And I, I think as a coach, you're stupid if you don't follow other people because you, eh, yeah. you have to see and look what, what other people do. And sometimes they, they, by following a seminar, they give you ideas and maybe with your own technique to combine that and uh, this kind of thing. So uh, yeah, I think you... for me, uh, I think they, uh, also the people from Ukraine, from Oleg, they make also yeah some examples and they... Some new styles, yes. Yeah, like you said, yeah. I suppose, yeah. Just there's, there's bits you can take from everywhere, I guess. You know, you can take. Yes. Bits from um, all. all I remember as, as a competitor, as a coach, I was even looking to trainings of volleyball. Really. Of basketball. Like... To see, for example, if they have certain exercises for the footwork, of certain exercises for to jump, where you as a taekwondo guy get something from yeah that's a strange I mean? yeah, yeah. I, some strange ones as a, as a coach yeah ah, different spots but uh yeah. yeah look i think we'll leave it there thanks a million for coming on i uh, really enjoyed the chat really enjoyed hearing your story and some of the stories you've had with thomas yeah. and julia and yeah. it would be great to have thomas on actually at uh soon maybe yeah. to to maybe have his side of some of the stories but uh yeah, yeah. so thanks again for coming on yeah thank you and uh yeah so all the best hopefully we'll get back to some tournaments soon and uh yeah uh, we, yeah. Won't, we won't have to do everything hopefully, over hopefully, hopefully we can see you at open nerds once <laughs> yeah i've been there before i've been there yeah yeah i know no, yeah no. so but, uh yeah hopefully get back again there soon <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. Yeah, and so. you also back training in a normal, normal. way yeah so take yeah. care and all the best and enjoy the seminar at the weekend yeah. okay. thank you bye-bye nice weekend